Welcome to Safety Bites, a weekly podcast on all things related to workplace safety, hosted by me, Jason Schaffenbuhl. The thoughts expressed in this podcast are based upon my opinion and general best practices, which may not apply to all listeners. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any changes in your organization. I'm often irritated by employers who approach me and ask OSHA compliance questions. I'm not talking questions about significant issues like lockout tag or confined space entry that can lead to serious injury or death, but on more mundane subjects like the expiration dates of hard hats or if the ground prong on a receptacle should be up or down. Yes, OSHA will enforce expiration dates on hard hats, but there's no preference on the ground prongs being up or down. That's up to your local electrical code. You would think I would be happy that employers are asking me questions about compliance to make the workplace safer. Well, it's more complicated than that. You see, since I work for an insurance company and I specialize in workers' compensation insurance, I generally know these employers and the number, type, and severity of injuries they're experiencing in their workplace. So when I'm asked about hard hat expiration dates, and I know the employer has 50% more injuries than a like-sized peer, and their injuries tend to be more serious or costly than their peers, I wonder what they are truly focused on, OSHA compliance or injury prevention. OSHA compliance and injury prevention are sadly two distinct topics. The most prevalent type of workplace injuries are soft tissue injuries related to manual material handling. The most prevalent type of workplace deaths are motor vehicle accidents. Two topics which OSHA has no regulations on. That's right, none. OSHA doesn't regulate the leading cause of death or injury in the workplace. So if you focus on OSHA compliance, you likely are not addressing the biggest sources of death or injury in your workplace. Work-related motor vehicle fatalities are a great example. Overall, from 1980 to 2018, the overall motor vehicle fatality rate, as measured in motor vehicle fatalities per 100,000 residents in the United States, has decreased by 50%. During the same time, workplace motor vehicle fatalities per 100,000 employees have only decreased by 18%. Why haven't occupational motor vehicle fatalities decreased at the same rate as overall motor vehicle fatalities? There are several reasons, but I feel part of the issue is the lack of attention by regulatory agencies pushing employers to perform better. The leading cause of workplace injuries is no better. From 2011 to 2018, the rate of lost time musculoskeletal disorders decreased by 23%. But during the same time period, all lost time injuries decreased by 53%. Why didn't the number of soft tissue lost time injuries decrease as much as all other types? Again, is it the lack of regulatory oversight that led to the discrepancy in the decreases in rate of injury? I'm not surprised. About 20 years ago, I saw a research article that suggested that OSHA compliance would only prevent about 20% of the workplace injuries that are occurring. I cannot find that article now, but that number sticks with me. I also wouldn't disagree with it. Over the last few days, I've cleaned up about 2,000 workers' compensation claims for some data analysis, and very few of them were related to OSHA compliance. What does this all mean? It means that we should not rely upon OSHA compliance to keep us safe. Here are three simple ways to identify what could lead to injury in your workplace. First, ask employees what tasks and activities seem unsafe. Often employees know which tasks are more hazardous than others, and sometimes they have taken steps, either individually or as a group, to make the task safer. Often they have good ideas on how to improve the job to make it safer, but their ability to implement such change can be limited. In other words, management doesn't listen or doesn't ask. For example, I've seen employees take poorly designed tools and wrap the handles in foam to make them more comfortable to use. The foam does help, but it may lead to other problems. A better solution would be for the organization to provide a tool that is a better design. Second, ask employees which tasks are the worst to perform. Often these are tasks with high physical demands, dirty, or are terribly boring. All three of these conditions can lead to injury. 
Tasks with high physical demands can lead to strains and sprains. Dirty jobs may expose employees to chemicals or dust that can lead to overexposure and potential health problems. Boring tasks can lead to employees' minds wandering while performing the job, thinking about things other than the job task. The employees' minds may not be focused on the task, pinch points, following proper procedure, etc., which could all lead to potential injury. Another way to determine which job tasks are worse is to look at the positions in your organization that have high turnover or positions employees try to leave as soon as possible. Often these positions are the ones that are boring, dirty, or physically taxing. Lastly, if your organization is large enough to have some trends in the accidents that have occurred, either because of the sheer number of injuries or you have years of data to look at, you may find trends in either the location or department of the injury or within the activity employees are performing. For example, maybe you are a social service organization and you have three or four claims per year, but more than half of them are from combative behaviors. While OSHA doesn't have regulations requiring a program to minimize combative behaviors, maybe you have such a program. I would encourage you to further evaluate your program to make sure it is as effective as it can be. So I ask you to think about your workplace and consider the injuries employees are experiencing. Whether they are OSHA compliance related or not, take the time to eliminate future occurrence of the injuries. When faced with OSHA compliance issues, remember that OSHA compliance is the minimum. You can always be more protective. For situations where OSHA compliance has no bearing on the injuries, which, as I've indicated, will generally be the case, work with employees, supervisors, and managers to determine how the situation can be addressed in a manner that is beneficial to productivity, safety, and quality. If you're struggling with ideas on how to correct hazards in your workplace, you can reach out to your West Bend Mutual Loss Control representative. We are happy to help. Remember, what you do for safety today can prevent an injury or potential fatality tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and will join me next week. Until then, please make time each day to create a safer workplace.